This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week television podcast. I'm joined by Andrew Mercado, regular Media Week contributor. Andrew, welcome. Good morning. Dan Barrett, deputy editor of Media Week. Hi, Dan. Thank you, James. Also, before we start, happy birthday to Andrew Mercado. Ah, <laughs> thank you. 40, 40 yet? Are you 40 yet? No, no, I'm way into those 50s. Oh, wow. gosh. Is this like a big milestone birthday? No, it's not. I'd say milestone birthdays end in a zero or a five. Yep. Next year will be a okay. double five. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you youngsters. So where are we starting? What's well, been um, a lot of TV news. Let's start with SBS, maybe. Mm. I think there's an announcement that probably surprised a few people that um, SBS 2 might become Viceland. And I'm guessing most people in Australia have no idea what Viceland is. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. So I noticed from a lot of the comments we saw on Twitter when we put out the story the other night, a lot of people were just like outraged at the idea of Vice <laughs> content. And they were really taking the Vice stories that they come across on Vice.com and applying that to TV as a concept. And Vice is very much about, oh, I went and did, you know, two kilos of blow over a week. <laughs> you know, here's what happened. They were expecting that kind of content. Viceland isn't really quite that. There'll if be some seen, of that, though, won't there? Maybe sort of in tone, but it's kind of more like, have you actually seen the Vice program for HBO? No. No. Uh, it's very much about sort of embedding like a local American reporter in some sort of far off flung land. And so they kind of learn about the culture and society they're in or like some sort of weird political situation or something like that. So it's kind of like gonzo journalism mm. in a big way. And Viceland, the TV channel, is based very similarly around that. So they've got a couple of TV shows, which are kind of like their big things. The biggest one is probably uh, Gaycation, which is Ellen Page and a friend of hers. Oh, I yeah. can't think of his name, but he's gay as well. And the two of them travel the world and talk to other gay people, uh, people from communities and countries of which aren't necessarily so um, open and accepting. And it's really just about exploring the gay experience on a global scale. Really interesting program, which kind of fits well with SBS's diversity sort of yep, needs within its sure does. That's So there's that. Uh, they've also got a cooking show, which I think gets by on the strength of its title, which, can we swear on this podcast, James? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, it's got some, you know, uh, characters in between, but it's pronounced fuck. That's delicious. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like edgy sort of vice tone, but it's maybe a little bit more, I guess, sort of adult and um, a bit more respectful in tone than I think the vice.com text content. And edgy fits SBS too. My understanding of vice is that they do slightly alternative news Mm. and do, you know, news for young people, but not in that traditional format. So that certainly fits with what SBS two were doing. But I don't know. Am, am I missing something here? I thought SBS2 had kind of established themselves. I thought they were doing quite well. I mean, I watch a lot of stuff on them, but maybe the truth is that the ratings aren't all that great and maybe by rebranding it, that'll give them a... One of my takeaways is that this is an admission that SBS2 wasn't achieving what SBS wanted it to in terms of maybe audience and um, advertising revenue. Yeah. I mean, I'm keen to talk to them because it is really following the recent launch of Food Network, which was the content partnership with uh, Scripps. So which now rates about as high as SBS2. Yeah. I mean, I kind of look at SBS2 and maybe this partnership where Viceland, they're not just launching in Australia. This is part of a, I think, 44-country rollout. Okay. So I suspect that this really came about from Vice talking to a lot of the media organizations in Australia, just saying, hey, look, you know, we'd like to carry this channel. Are you interested? And I'd imagine that if, if Vice came to me at SBS and I looked at that thinking, well, we've got this channel that's very similar mm. and maybe attach the Vice brand to that, it kind of enlivens it up and sort of 
No, but there's got to be um, revenue in it, yeah. you'd think. I mean, the other thing as well, if Viceland launches on a competing platform, like that's SBS2 sunk. <laughs> I mean, it is because it's the same sort of types of content. It's the same audience. But I mean, I should know this. I'll ask you because I very rarely go anywhere near SBS2. Mm. Right? I just don't because. But was part of it as was part of it as a catch up service for SBS One or not at all? No, no. not at all. Like it's, ABC Two is partly catch up, isn't it, for ABC? Yeah, they repeat things. So did they repeat much on? No, I don't think no. anything. I know they put a bit of sport there, which Every presumably now and can't then go there any something, longer. But pretty much they're a standalone and their movie And it was library, all very edgy. Very edgy, very yeah. culty. The, the movies that they screen, you know, they're screening movies that you don't see on any other channel. I really applaud their movie choices. They're pulling stuff out of the vault that hasn't been on TV for years. They were playing James Caan's Rollerball the other yeah. night. Yeah. The, you know, and they also really cleverly, um, and I've talked about this a lot in my Media Week listings, they do mm. double features and they find a reason to put two movies together, which I think is clever. Yeah, no, SBS2 is probably what I sit on the most in terms of a broadcast channel. So I'm overly familiar with the channel, but yeah. Do you watch the feed then? Uh, look, I mean, I have trouble getting time to watch the feed just because I'm like doing stuff at home before I can sit down and watch TV. So if it was half an hour later, I'd see more of it. But I've seen a lot of it over the years. And so. I see a lot of the... Uh, anytime I see a, a clip going viral on social media mm. from the feed, it's always funny. I always laugh. But you're right. I, I don't yeah. get time to sit down and watch it on a regular basis. Uh, their social team's really good. But at the moment, they've got Mark Humphreys, who, you know, friend of us both. Of course. Yeah, and he's been doing the comedic sort of political satire in the last few months and it's been yeah pretty sterling yeah Yeah. um andrew mccarter we should bring you in here now i believe you've got something interesting coming up on television very shortly yep so what and when world movies from monday the 4th of july two weeks of aussie exploitation titles so i did an aussie exploitation for them three years ago and it's still the highest rated event in their oh, it took them a while to get you back history. no well last year we did the best of the worst oh, okay. last year we did the bad film festival um and this year they went let's do aussie exploitation uh but do it for two weeks um which is really exciting because I'm not supposed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, because World Movies is going to be free to Foxtel subscribers that wow. week. And I think I'm okay Breaking. saying this. No, I think I'm okay saying this within an industry circle because they don't they don't want us to promote it to the mainstream press. Um, but, you know, if you've got Foxtel, you'll be able to get World Movies for free for those two weeks. But what's different about it this year is instead of it being hosted by me – they, the creative team there, who I really think they're such cool guys, uh, Seamus Cloonan, who used to work at Foxtel, and Warren Powell, um, they came up with this concept that I would play a character called the <laughs> Unknown Stuntman. And I don't know whether to laugh or cry because they made me look so hilariously hideous. A wig sideburns, moustache, um, dressed me in clothes then and asked, actually asked me to stick my gut out <laughs> rather than they wanted me to have a beer belly. So I basically played this old, you know, 70s guy that's been in every film, but, you know, he's off in the corner. And so my introduction to every movie is, you know, that's me doubling for... Barry Crocker's ass. Barry didn't want to, you know, get the old fella out in front of the old ladies. And so we make up this shtick about it 
But it's really funny, and they've done all these great little social media things we did on the day. They found this incredible house um, over on the North Shore that's still completely and utterly 70s. We're talking a waterbed with bedside tables with ashtrays built into it. He had a spectacular Monaro car in the garage, so we had all the props of a 70s house. And there's me and my red stubbies and thongs going around doing this shtick and doing things like uh, one of them is how to pick up chicks and it's pretty funny so um, they're and they're going really viral they're super super happy they start they only released them this week and already boom they're, they're off being shared everywhere so I'm thrilled they're happy for the portrayal of this character were you looking to anyone specific like did you have Lucky Grills in mind or anything no, like that no not Lucky Grills I did I did very much I was paying homage to Grant Page although Grant Page isn't like this character but Grant Page is the greatest known Australian star man of all time and a lot of the stories I tell are basically stories I've heard Grand Page allude to over the years and I you know um, so yeah I was very much trying to pay homage to the greatest Australian stunt man of all time yeah one of the images I've seen mate reminded me of some of the advertising characters Australians like the maybe the one of the original solo men yes that, yeah you know you because so, I think he had a mustache and yeah he, that's that was part of the brief and down the chin and yeah like. yeah it's very much going for that vibe when men were men and <laughs> the hairy chest was bursting out of the shirt so what films are you screening as part of the series okay so 10 so um Alvin Purple, Alvin Rides Again, yep. The Adventures of Barry McKenzie, Les Patterson Saves the World, Razorback, The ABC of Love and Sex, Long Weekend, The Man from Hong Kong, mm. Felicity, and that's nine and there's one still to go, but some spectacular films in there. Yeah. All classics. I noticed that the original Turkey Shoot isn't in there. No, it's what's, not. What's that about? Well, we haven't got to that. I guess they picked one Brian Trenchard Smith classic and it was <laughs> The Man from Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. And that film hasn't been on TV for a long time and it's 1974 and it's a great, great... P- it's the only kung fu film made in Australia. Yeah. Uh, where they we- do kung fu on the top of Ayers Rock, for God's sake. <laughs> Oh, God bless Brian. Uh, 24th of June is the day we're recording this. And later tonight, they're screening the remake of Turkey Shoot on Channel One. Apparently, it's terrible. Apparently, yeah. yeah. But uh, I do. I did note that one of the reasons I will be watching it is I love the fact that they actually pay, um, pay respect to Carmen Duncan and Roger Ward, who were in the first Turkey Shoot, yeah. and let them play new roles in this one. Oh, so, fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to check and it Carmen out. Carmen Duncan plays the President of the United States. Now, that's hilarious. <laughs> of course she does. Uh, yeah, so a lot of these films, I've got a DVD box set from, I think, Umbrella, which yeah. is the Ozploitation classic. I think there's like three volumes of them. Yeah. Is it just coming from that library? Is that a lot the of them are coming from that library, absolutely. Yeah. Because all of these films, it's, it's really interesting because I did actually have conversations with a couple of other channels about something like this a few years ago. Mm. And I did, to my great surprise, get told by somebody at one of those channels who said yes well we're not interested in screening films that are more than 20 years old and i went i'm sorry are you are you just wiping everything from the <laughs> 70s the 80s and the mid 90s and they basically said yes um and yet when i said the exact same thing to world movies they went wow there's something in that and the night it began three years ago when alvin purple screened on the channel it was the highest rated movie on foxtel that whole week 
Yeah, no, there's a hunger for it. I remember when I bought those box sets, I did a bit of a screening at my house. And these were films like I hadn't seen most of them before and my friend certainly hadn't. And yeah, like we all went nuts for them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's, cra- it's crazy cinema. It's, you know, Ausploitation cinema, where, you know, the stunts without any permits, you know, crazy life-risking stuff. And, you know, the, the, the attitude to sex and nudity and just crazy things that they were doing back then. You know, it was, it was a really great period of Australian cinema that, that, that all then got sort of swept under the carpet because, you know, it was thought that we should be doing serious things like Picnic at Hanging Rock and these films weren't that important. Sorry. When does the series start? Monday the 4th of July. So every every night um, at 9.30pm and then marathons on the Saturday. Okay, people have enough time. Before you get started with that, as a primer... Uh, get on to Stan Have This. It might be on Netflix as well. It's a documentary, not quite Hollywood. Fantastic movie. Yeah, it's really entertaining. It's lots of talking heads, yep. but you will be thoroughly entertained through this whole thing. It really sums up what yep. the Ozploitation scene yep. was about. Spot on. Yeah. So watch that, and then you'll be more than keen to be watching these Ozploitation classics. Not quite Hollywood makes you want to watch Australian cinema in a huge way. Yeah. And fair enough, because these are great films. Yeah, and, they are. Yeah. Do you know what? Um, Alvin Purple still really holds up as a great piece of cinema. And if you broke down Alvin Purple's box office take of how much money it made back then and put it into today's money, you'd be talking about Australian film getting taking 37 to $40 million at the box office. It made $5 million back in 1973, adjusted for inflation. That goes to show you how phenomenally successful that film was. And The Adventures of Barry McKenzie, directed by Bruce Beresford, and that language that Barry Humphreys invented for the film, the new Aussie slang, some of which was was real and other stuff which he made up which then did then leak into our vocabulary spectacular yeah James you don't strike me as much of an Ausploitation guy no I just thinking back those um, Elvin Purple movies were just massive back in the day now who was his who was his offsider in that um... (laughs) very clever it was Alan Finney who's now a huge guy in motion picture distribution yeah well and he's um, chairman of actor I think too but we should also point out that Alan Finney was actually doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes back then too Alan Finney was actually part of the team that was working with Village Roadshow this is what they did back then that they're so clever and that I don't think we're doing enough of then they knew that the Australian government was going to start uh, funding films they went to village road show they formed this company with them and they said to village what sort of film should we make and village road show said we've got this little swedish sex romp called bedroom mazurka which is packing out the cinemas let's do an australian sex comedy and from there alan hopgood a director uh, an actor from bellbird and prisoner had written this script and alan finney was in on the process of what sort of film should we make and then he took a role as um alvin's offsider so yeah, everyone was kind of doing all different jobs back then, which I love. Yeah, the other film you ha- couldn't think of, number 10, is that one with the couple in Australian Outback? Long Weekend. Long Weekend. Is yeah, that it? great film. John Hargraves, Bryony Beards. They remade that too a few years back with Claudia mm. Carvin and Jim Calvazil or something. You know, yeah. Nothing happened at all with the remake. But that is the film as part of your... Yes, that's yep. definitely there. And it's yeah, a, cool. it's, the thing was that Long Weekend didn't work at the time because people couldn't understand what was meant to be so... Australians went, what's the big deal? It's just a bunch of yobbos going to the beach. It's our weekend. And doing what they always do. But in Europe, that was seen as being very foreboding and creepy and killing animals. So it was the Europeans that latched onto Long Weekend when it flopped here. Yeah. Just, just quickly back on Elvin Purple, the I think... Uh, 
Alan Finney's character might have been called Spike. He was, yes. But Chris Haywood took on that role in the TV series. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. And Chris Haywood the other night turned up on Rake. He did. As a judge, I think. Yes. And that guy, he just keeps going, doesn't he, if Chris Haywood? If you looked at Chris Haywood's IMDb profile, he has appeared in every Australian TV series and a lot of movies known to man. That yeah, guy's a legend. He is, absolutely. Yeah. And I always remember I remember pulling up at a petrol station once up in Oxford Street <laughs> and Chris Haywood pulled up in a, in a tradies van beside me to fill up a car and he'd, he'd clearly been out working on a, on a building site. And I'm thinking, this is one of the world's best actors. What's this guy doing working as a tradie? Maybe he's working on his own place. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, got an amazing yeah. career. Yeah. Sorry, you mentioned Ray just for a bit of name dropping. It just it was a highlight of my last month. Um, I was uh, doing a set visit for Kettering Incident. Part of the cast of that was Damien Garvey, who I got to go drinking with for part of that day. Uh, Damien Garvey, people would know him on Rake as Cal McGregor, who was the disgraced politician turned uh, political pundit. Uh, now turned, uh, you know, TV news host. He's got yeah. his own kind of Bolt Report show, doesn't he? Exactly. Anyway, he's got like this big beaming head. And as soon as I saw him across the other side of the room, I'm like, I have to get a selfie with this guy. <laughs> so I don't usually do the selfie thing, but him has to make the special. He was really good in one of the underbellies too, wasn't he? Yeah. Across the Tale of Two Cities, was he? That um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, he's also just amazing in catering as well, but... And just yeah. on that too, is Chris McQuaid in Catherine Incident? Uh, yes, she is. Yeah. she is. I keep seeing her Who in the promos. was in Alvin Purple as well? She was in Alvin Purple. She was in Alvin Rides again. I'm sure if we checked, she was probably in the TV series too. Yeah. She's a bit raunchy. Oh, she's another one of those people like Chris McQuaid. And like, she's got uh, that great voice. Keep turning up like Chris yeah. Hayworth that turn up in so many things. Yeah. Just, yeah, well, what a wonderful voice. Well, Chris McQuaid was in the very first series of Wentworth. Um, she was the one that the, the top dog when B. Smith came in and uh, Jack Holt, she got killed at the end of the season, which was such a disappointment because I could still, I would still be loving to watch Chris McQuaid in Wentworth today. <laughs> um, Dan, you've been hanging around Fetch again. What, what's going on over there? What, what are they up? They you can't look- get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> Just knocking on the doors. Like what, Scott what Lawson. What have you been up to? Yeah, Scott Lawson. He keeps letting you in. He'll learn one yeah, day. But one day. Uh, yeah, so Fetch TV, not quite a Foxtel competitor. Got a bit of a different business model, but it looks and feels a bit like Foxtel. Uh, basically, they had an announcement during the week where we knew it was coming. They've got some new hardware. So they've got a new PVR. Like, that's the main sort of hardware that they sort of roll out. Unlike the IQ3 for Foxtel, which was uh, not necessarily a successful launch, uh, they're taking a slightly different approach with this where while they've upgraded the hardware, the software kind of remains the same as on the previous version. And then once they're happy with the hardware out in the marketplace, they'll then update the software to go with that. So a pretty smart move in regards to that. Uh, but that hardware, it runs much faster. It's capable of doing 4K video. Like, it really is sort of that next generation of um, hardware. But maybe the interesting part is they're releasing the Fetch Mini, which is a smaller set-top box, which doesn't have the uh, the PVR recording equipment within it. Okay, but rather just lets you stream all the linear cable channels that Fox, uh, Fox uh, Fetch TV provide. Uh, Fetch TV provide uh, but it's also a bit of a play for when I've got the EPL going if you're say an Opsis customer for example instead of uh, trying to upgrade you to a Fetch PVR which doesn't make sense if you bought a mobile phone product uh, this is really about giving you a very cheap product to bundle in with a mobile phone deal so they can kind of do that 
But also if you've got a big fetch PVR at home, you can get these set-top boxes to run as other points within the house. So if I'm in a bedroom, I can stream the fetch channels and then take my recordings from the main fetch TV box in the lounge room and stream that over to my box. So wherever you are in the house, you could then set so up. So this little device, I mean, as soon as a new bit of hardware comes out, I get envy. I think, oh, I want one of those. <laughs> uh-huh. I clearly don't need it, but I think, oh, it looks very cool. But but in this new, the smaller device, so mm. it doesn't have the PVR capabilities. No PVR capabilities. doesn't have tuners for free-to-air TV. No. So, like, that's missing from it. Yeah. But you can make your recordings on the main box and stream it over. So that's kind of what the play is there. Yes. Who's their audience? Are they connected with Optus? Are Optus customers getting this stuff in their mail, I assume, about Fetch? Basically, most of the ISPs that aren't Telstra, okay, are affiliated with Fetch TV. So when you ring up Optus, for example, who are, like, their main sort of um, driver... Uh, when you call up Optus, you can say, hey, look, I want to get a unlimited internet account. And they'll say, okay, you know, that's $79.95. But for $90, you might be interested in this. And so then they sell you the fetch deal. And you're getting, oh, I think it's like about 25 channels yeah. or, you know, within that price. So you get that, you get the uh, hardware. So it's a pretty good deal. Like for what you're paying over the period of that time, it's really paying off a PVR. But then you're getting all these added channels bundled in as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good. There's good channels there, like BBC First is probably the one I lean on the most. But then I've got Comedy Central, and as part of the Fetch announcement during the week, Spike TV, which is a very male-skewing channel. feels a bit like uh, Mate in a lot of ways, but it's a little bit different. Uh, Lip Sync Battles is probably their big show, but the other big sort of marquee thing for that is Bellator, which is a mixed martial arts league that is quite big amongst the people into that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't want to dwell on this one too much, but the briefcase aired this week finally. Ratings weren't sensational. Um, and I get the feeling Nine has got some of the sort of backlash SBS experience when they had Struggle Street. Some people actually saw the briefcase and came out and said, oh, look, it's actually not that bad if you sit through it. And it's not the appalling exploitation a lot of people mightn't have thought it was. But... I mean, I enjoyed Struggle Street, but something in me, just because of the competition element, I just couldn't really get motivated to to watch Briefcase. I was just so bored by it because it was mostly a bunch of people sitting around thinking about what they were going to do. I mean, they get given the money at the beginning and then at the end they do the revelation about where they're going to keep their money or give it to the other couple. All that filler in between about visiting each other's house and seeing the prosthetic limbs lying around and all of that stuff. I actually just found that really boring. And I do note that I think that Nine chose that episode for its first episode because it had the feel-good ending because both couples selflessly gave away all their money to the other side but you know in a couple at some point there must be a family that says oh no we need this money we're going to keep it and what happens then does do people get on social media and say they're greedy i mean because that's the kind of blood sport that people fear is associated with this show well i don't know how you do a second season of this show because everyone understands how it works then yeah and you'd have to be a little bit concerned about how you're perceived in public so surely the end result becomes the majority of families decide oh well i'm going to keep 60 percent for myself and 40 percent for the others like that seems to be like the fair split i think well, I'd go 50-50 myself. I'd say I'll keep 50, give 50 nah, to you. I'm all about 65%. Right. <laughs> Just on that, while we're talking about Nine, Nine had a 
presentation towards the end of this week. It was mainly about the relaunch of 9.com.au. Yeah, replacing 9MSN. Yeah, they've rebranded 9MSN. It's now called 9.com.au. And there's a, there's a, they've done a massive amount of work there and all these all these different websites they've got up and they've got the branding. Um, yeah. It's a little bit awkward during the presentation when one of the executives talked about the nine balls. <laughs> oh, here we go. We're back into Macho Male territory, but he was talking about the, Their logo. the, the nine logo, of yeah. course. But yeah. the branding's all really consistent now across both the TV and web properties, which yeah. I think is important. It's almost too consistent, though. You see all, <laughs> all those logos in one long line. I, I kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. But after the Prezzo, Dan and I got to spend a little bit of time with Hugh Marks. And Hugh's been talking about um, his... It was interesting, though, because you see all that digital activity and you think, gee whiz, this must account for a lot of money for Nine. But actually, over 80% of Nine revenue still comes from the television, okay. despite the sort of diversified media company that, 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 that they're building around the TV business. But is that kind of just early days still? So, I mean... Oh, yeah, well, that's going yeah. to grow. But it's still, you know, I thought it might have been a little bit less. But, gee, 80, I think he said actually 85%. So mm. it's still a lot of dollars. And but- didn't we hear that with that episode of Media Watch a couple of weeks ago that gave that very alarming forecast cast for the future that said, you know, 80% of digital advertising revenue is going to goggle Google and Facebook mm-hmm. and everybody else is sharing in that last 20%. So that's a huge amount of players trying to carve up 20%, isn't it? That well, doesn't surprise me yeah. at all, that result. And the return on digital Advertising is very, I think, low compared to what you can get for television, which I think advertisers still see as very effective for them. But anyway, Hugh's been very strong on wanting to compete harder at the start of next year. I think he's sick of seeing My Kitchen Rules come on and just wipe out nine share for those yeah. whatever 13 14 weeks however long it, it's on air so he's been talking about that and he's he talked about you know 30 hours of drama they're committing to so that's good that's really exciting yeah yeah the, yeah and i've already seen sort of step things up a little bit this year so we haven't seen much of it yet yeah well there's two new series in development well, which got, i think we're going to see some of them this yeah. year aren't we they've got hide and seek where yeah. i did a set mm-hmm. of that a few days ago mm-hmm. and that seemed yeah kind of a bit schmick looking uh also dr doctor is our other big new one coming? Right, that's yeah. Roger Corsa, isn't that's it? Roger Corsa, yeah. which I don't understand why Roger Corsa isn't a bigger deal. So hopefully this might sort of tip that. Oh, he's a pretty big deal, isn't he? I, mean, yeah, I don't know. He has so many. He, he does really car he- ads. He hasn't really headlined anything. Like the last no. thing he really headlined was uh, there was that short-lived that was uh, that Last Edward? Man Standing. Well, Last Man Standing in two thousand seven. Yeah. What was okay. that John Edwards action series? That's what I was trying. To- Rush. Right. Ru- yeah. Was it Rush? Rush. He was in Rush. He, he was almost the lead in that, yeah. wasn't he? No, that was more ensemble. And he yeah. was a pretty pretty significant uh, character in uh, Puberty Blues. He was, and then he popped up in Dr. Blake's Murder Mysteries yeah, in the last series. I think we've series. ever wanted for lack of uh, no. Roger Corsa role. He was in The Beautiful Lie. More Roger Corsa. Just, yeah. <laughs> and, but 24-7, just load me up with Corsa. But it's funny, isn't it, the way we're, you know, we're going back to those very traditional formats, the Doctor Medical Series, Doctor Doctor, and we've got uh, the ABC making a new lawyer drama series out of Melbourne, you know. Um, so we are going, but we still don't have any cop shows really, well, although hide, hide and seek. Right. Yeah. Okay. There was Thank a very funny on. spoof on um, McAuliffe this week, I think, about a legal show. He was sort of sending up, um, <laughs> what's the um, legal series of Janet King. Janet, Janet King. Yeah, he does that up. every week almost. Yeah. yeah. Janet <laughs> King, yeah. That, that was very funny. 
Very funny. Yeah, and John Edwards, we, uh, not John Edwards, uh, Hugh Marks, we asked him about where's all this money coming from, from, you know, this nine investment. And he said, look, we are investing some, some, some extra money. But he said generally it's coming from investing smarter, you know, and then he talked again about their just cutting out all those US studio output deals. Yeah, you know, they cut out Warner's one. And you look at that nine schedule and it's really stripped bare of a lot of those US imports. Yeah. Well, it doesn't, they don't play anymore. No, well, they've got some really dodgy docos. I reckon they're running too early in the evenings and those some of those really weird shows. But but they're probably doing numbers nearly as good as a lot of those US imports. And I'm presuming they're a lot cheaper. So, yeah, it is. And, I, and again, I go back to my, my special buy of the year, um, Britain's Got Talent. Yes. You know? Yeah, that was amazingly successful. Doing... I didn't see it working on a Tuesday night in that latest time slot, but it did work. Mm. Mm, absolutely. Now, um, speaking of Aussie drama, Offspring coming back. Uh, Who's yeah. excited? I'm hugely excited, of course. I can't <laughs> wait. And I know that um, the fan base out there, you know, I've got relatives of mine who never speak to me at all. But around Offspring time, they start saying, what do you know? What, <laughs> what, what can you tell us? You know, can, can you flick me some information? <laughs> There's a real fan base out there for this show. There is. I remember when we went to the 10 Upfronts announcements late last year when they said to the room, you know, Offspring's coming back, which we knew, but it was like the first time it was like really sort of officially out there. And the entire room just erupted in a way that they just didn't for anything else on the schedule. So it just shows how engaged I think people yeah. are with this as a property. But yeah, no one thought it was coming back. So the show had been wound down effectively. The production had come to an end. It's been, what, a year and a half since it was... I'd say more than two years, that. Two years. two years, at least. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so we didn't have a season last year. No. Yeah. Uh, the actual production this year, though, it's incredibly tight for them. So they didn't know it was coming back, which is probably what sort of set it back a bit later. Uh, but usually they start shooting around, I think, February, but they've only just gotten started. Uh, it debuts next week, and they're only like finishing episode four in terms of the post-production now. Wow, so they tight, really are tight, like, yeah, tight. But Imogen, I talked to Imogen Banks, the EP of the other day, and she's not too concerned. She's stressed, but, you know, she'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. both of you guys have interviewed Imogen for yes, many we week, have. I think. So, yeah, yeah. She's, a, she's a great chat, isn't she? And she really delivers. And, and, uh, and I feel really safe with Offsprings in her hand now, uh, even though it's created Deborah Oswald isn't coming back. She said, yeah. you know, she wrote the ending she wanted to do with it. She's let it go. But, you know, it's going into really great hands with Imogen Banks. Yeah, and she's got such a passion for the show. Like, yeah. you can tell she's really into it. So that should be fine. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny talking to her about some of the other TV she watches. She's a huge fan of Veep. Is she? Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, so she went quite high in my esteem when we started. What else? What else has she been watching? Oh, gosh. not have, all, is it? You really have to read next week's Media Week magazine. Oh, no, it's this week's. Hang on, let's get, let's get out the list. Well, she's a fan of the... Um that's on stand. The um, um, Unreal. Did she watch yeah. Unreal? Uh, she was into Unreal, so that was definitely sort well, of that's, in there. That's always a good sign. Oh, let's get the list. Sorry, I've followed a few stories since then. It's hard to keep it. these things attracted. <laughs> but I think well, while you're looking for that list, I think... Uh, yeah. The, the Night Manager, she's big into oh, that. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the early evening, she likes a bit of casual stuff. So MasterChef and The Project, uh, you know, big viewing uh, points for her. Um, Inside Amy Schumer, she's really into. Uh, she basically, anytime she said she's working sort of reasonably hard, she just likes the comedy. So... Ten seem to be doing a really good job of promoting it. In my eyes, too good a job. I mean, I'm I'm enjoying a lot of MasterChef this year, and just I don't know. It's just I find it really annoying when those video promos come up. On the, I can live with a bug. Okay, I I don't like bugs, but you've got to live with them. Everybody. You mean does. a video pro, when promo, which is an, an on-air graphic, yeah, an animated ad. Yeah. Yeah. While another show's on, I yeah. just find that so annoying. Yeah, I do too, actually. But you know. 
I think I'm probably in the minority. I don't know. A lot of people just accept all that stuff these days. And, and But they are getting cheekier and cheekier. I mean, where does it end, oh, you know? Exactly. Is it, is it, you know, is um, someone from Offspring going to do a walk-on in the yeah. background of MasterChef? <laughs> and- well, I'd kind of prefer it if they actually had them, like, integrate into the show for a minute or two and save them doing the animated bugs. Like, sure, that's got more cut through. Although you, you then run the risk of uh, the backlash against Shark Tank, which featured Fitzy and Whipper this week doing a mock invention mm, they came on and, that? and that well you know i haven't read the full details but the headline said has shark tank jumped the shark yeah and what were fitzy and whipper doing on a channel 10 tie-in show when they're hosting 2020 well, on that's what i don't get i mean i i understand I that it. people aren't that precious these days about their stars going on other programs but to have them both on there well, he's hence obviously got a close and it was probably filmed a long yeah, time true. ago perhaps yeah but yeah, it was very weird. It just makes a little bit of a mockery of, of the other parts of Shark Tank, doesn't it? You think, well, how serious are these other business models that they're, they're pitching, you know? Yeah, correct. Mm. Um, John Edwards' name will be on this series of Offspring. I'm not sure how involved he is, but he's still going to be up there as, I don't know, as producer, associate producer, because he's obviously very critical to its, its, its history yeah. back in the days. But he's done a new deal with uh, Rocho. He's going to be working with his son. It's going to be called Rough Diamonds, the new production company, and not just um, high-end drama for television. They've also got movies on the radar, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, have a look at John Edwards' record. I oh, mean, yeah. if you go back, you know, I mean, he, he's there at this kind of new wave of Australian drama with Love My Way, and then it's, isn't it just everything goes from there, Tangle, Paper Giants, How's That, Puberty Blues. I mean, some of the best TV made in this country over the last few years yeah, has been a Dan's John Edwards' production. Name, isn't it? So it's Dan yeah. and John Edwards. Um, so yeah. it'd be interesting. High-end TV, but also with a real strong popularist sort of bands. So, yeah. yeah, I think it'll play well. Um, what I thought was particularly interesting about the media release about Rough uh, Diamond was that uh, it was John Edwards really just like, expressing the fact that it is a 100% Australian-owned company. Right. Which, yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 absolutely, which is which is interesting. Um, I think uh, it won't... The, he's actually working on, is it The High Road, which is sort of a sequel to Blue Murder. Yeah, bring back in, Richard Broxbow. Yeah, which he's is in back. production now. But I think that's going to be his last project. That will still come out under Endemol Shine, I believe. Right. Mm. How good was their timing? Look, I mean, it's Roger Rogerson got convicted uh, or sentenced. Has he been sentenced to jail? Whatever. Yeah. He was found guilty. Yeah. He was found guilty that night. The 60 Minutes special event mm. went to air at 7.30 on a Wednesday night. Clearly, that was all cut and ready to go, as you would be, because anyone following in that case would know that Rogerson was not going to get off. But I love the way the fact that everyone was behind the scenes working on this. Channel 7 ran a special last Monday night yeah um, didn't and then, quite do as well as the 60 minutes well, uh, one because it was too late you but know. it still did fine like, yeah it, it was, did okay yeah but, you know, this Roger, this sequel to Blue Murder has obviously been in the planning ever since Rogerson did that ridiculous crime and got caught on CCTV. A lot of people obviously knew that he wasn't going to uh, wiggle his way out of this one, so they went, right, well, there's mileage in this, let's get ready to go. And when they, they pushed that go button, boom, we're off and running. All right, chaps, look, we'll, we'll start to think about winding this up. I'm going to ask you to have a thought about something you're looking forward to coming up, something you've seen recently maybe you'd like to alert the listeners to. I'll start off a couple of things on SBS, the um, Tour de France. Look, I'm not a cycling nut. I have no idea what's going on, 
But if I'm up late at night, I love putting her on the high def, watching those aerial shots of these guys piloting their bikes through the French countryside and some of the neighbouring countries. It's just wonderful, you know. And the producers have got a real knack for knowing if there's a castle, we're going to feature this castle. (laughs) We'll just forget about the the bikes for a second. We'll just, you know, and they're just just fantastic, some of the stuff you get to see. Do you costume up when you're watching it, like in the lycra? Very funny. Like, I'm trying to be serious here. (laughs) But it's great, I think. And some, look, a lot of it's on too late for me to, to really get into it, but there's some nights it starts about 8.30 or 9.30 for some of the special road races. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. And also coming up on SBS, the um, the new version of Roots. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been reading a little bit about this. It's coming up the end of July, but I didn't realise two of the... There's four directors, uh, two black guys, I think Thomas Carter, Mario Van Peebles, but two white guys, Bruce Beresford... Two Aussie white Phil guys. And Noyce. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who knew? That's just amazing. Yeah. I've, I've just been reading some really good stuff about it. And the... And talking about the old roots too, how I think it was ABC had it in the States, but they were sort of got nervous and they sort of bumped it on over four nights in a row, trying to bury it a little bit, but the audience still found it and it's still, I think, the highest rated program or one of the highest rating TV mm. shows ever on American television. So I'm really looking forward to this sort of new version. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check out, yeah. check that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, who's next? What do you got? Um, I'll jump in. Uh, I've got two things that are exciting me recently. Um, Casual, which is a show currently running on Foxtel. They left it a little late, so it's been about a year since it debuted in the US, and they only just started running it, I think, about four or five weeks ago. So it's about halfway through the run. But being Foxtel, I'm sure it'll be repeated, you know, ad nauseum for the next, you know, couple of months, and also make it onto the Boxstats channel, hopefully. Uh, This is a half-hour relationship drama comedy. Uh, Have you watched this at all? No. Is it made for Hulu? Made for Hulu. So it's based on... It was Jason Reitman. He created the show or co-created it. Uh, basically, it's a uh, brother and sister. They're both in their mid-30s, uh, maybe early 40s. Uh, the sister, she's got a failed marriage behind her. So she just left the husband. She's got a teenage daughter. They move in with the brother. And the brother is a guy who created a dating app. So kind of like an OK Cupid meets Tinder sort of a thing. Apparently, it's quite successful. He did the algorithm for it. But because he's kind of a bit of a weird guy, he's just sort of left to the side to sort of play with the algorithm a bit. And that's all his job is. So he doesn't do the day-to-day business. But he's basically doesn't have much really to fill his day, like his days. So he devotes a lot of time to dating as many women as possible using the algorithm from his website. <laughs> So it's about him really sort of trying to convince the sisters to get out there and start dating again and just sleep with as many people as possible. Okay, it starts out from a very sitcom-y place, but as the first series unravels, you start to find out exactly what the origins was of his need to be out there sleeping with as many people as possible, and it goes to some really dark places. It's really funny, really dark, really moving. It's a great TV drama. Uh, the second season just started in the US, which I've been keeping up with quietly, and it's even better. Like, I'm Fantastic. smitten with it. Uh, the other thing is a Australian show, which I think I talked about on the Seven Days podcast last week. Uh, it's a production for ABC iView. It's Dan Hong's, uh, sorry, Shelfie with Dan Hong. Uh, Dan Hong is a local restaurateur. Uh, he's responsible for Ms. G's, just around the corner from I've here. watched one of them recently. Yeah. What I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it yeah. was great. Uh, so yeah he's this guy early sort of 30s I think Uh, he's pretty much a lot of Vietnamese street food is kind of his professional background but uh, he sort of he invites people like viewers at home to send through photos of their shelf in their kitchen at home 
and he chooses a photo and just whatever seems interesting from the shelf. He goes to their house, they shoot one every week, goes to their house and sees what they've got there and he brings two ingredients himself. So the most recent episode I've seen was a young girl, she's in her early 20s, doesn't really cook anything, she's got like pasta in the cupboard and a few other things, potato chips, that sort of thing. Uh, he brings some mints, he brings some um, cheese, I think, and makes a cheeseburger pasta bake. Okay, and it's really, it's geared towards early 20-somethings, and just keeping in mind that these people oh, don't really sorry, know how to... I shouldn't have been watching. Well, you shouldn't have been, it's, <laughs> no. it's not a safe space for you, James. <laughs> But no, it's geared towards an audience who don't know what they're doing in the kitchen. So it's like real easy, quick, like to produce meals. But also along the way, he'll give you little sort of cooking hints along the way. So like, uh, is your oil boiling? So basically you put a chopstick in there and you can see the bubbles around it and that's how you do it. So it's just little dumb things like that, which just help people out in the kitchen. But like the food all looks fantastic. Uh, the pasta bake he made, there was like potato chips on top and just, it was just weird stuff from the kitchen that you wouldn't think to throw into a Shelfy. meal. Shelfy. But it's all there. Shelfy with Dan Hong. They go for like about 10 minutes each. Okay. It's really watchable. It's, yeah, it's just good TV. Nice. It knows its audience well. Yeah. And it just speaks them in a really sort of clear, concise way. Andrew Mercado. Well, I'm still drama, drama, drama. I checked <laughs> out the new BBC drama Unforgiven last Sunday night on BBC First. How's that? Well, I was confused as anything. It didn't make any sense at all. It was three seemingly unconnected stories. I couldn't figure it out. But I stick with this because this has happened to me once before. It's written by Peter Moffat, who did a series called The Village. That was another show I watched the first episode of and just went, really? But something told me to keep watching and it was incredibly satisfying by the end. So if he's... I trust Peter Moffat to do something amazing here, so I'm back there. Um, and also, this week, they've got a new series of Peaky Blinders starting, which mm. seems to be growing, going from strength to strength. I think it's been renewed for a fourth and a fifth series, and they're now talking about doing a feature film of it as well. It's set in the 1920s, has some stuff thematically similar to Underbelly Razor, which is, you know, kind of gangsters going around with razors, uh, Killian Murphy or Chile. Ian Murphy, how you pronounce him, is an Irish actor. Um, and, of course, we've got a new series of Ray Donovan with Lee Schreiber beginning on Showcase this week too, more or less expressed from the US. Yeah, uh, just speaking of BBC, I was watching the War and Peace adaptation they did recently. It's really good. It was really, really good. I yeah. didn't stick with it, but it was great. Yeah, I'm four episodes in, and I think I'm going to write it through. Yeah. Look, I'm going to grab another couple of quick seconds. Happy Valley, I finally yeah. finished <laughs> season two. I'm a little bit dismayed to know they're going to be doing a third one, though. I watched the end of it, and I thought, I'm done. But I was emotionally bloody drained. Yes. You know but, what I mean? And but I thought, but she ha she's, she's not doing a third one just yet. She said she'll delayed. do one, but she needs to think up a proper story. Hmm. So she's, they're well, not good, rushing yeah. something but I out. Thought, I, look, I just thought, I can't take any more of this. I know. Because it's just, whoa, man. It was Sarah Lancaster fantastic. was so good. Yeah, it was just fantastic. But at the end of that, that last... So much, so many ends were tied up in that yeah. last episode. Thought, but that I last scene... I just can't take scene, any more of the suffering these guys are going through. That last scene as she just stared out as her grandson mm. ran across. Mm. And if you've watched it, we won't, it's no plot spoilers here, but that just that last scene as she... You knew what she was thinking as her grandson was playing. It was devastating, wasn't it? Yeah, oh. yeah. I just Whoa. thought, I need a real... Like, <laughs> yeah. I need a break from this. And just, um, Black Armband, No More Vinyl. Oh, HBO's yes. cancelled it. Wow. And then again, I'm thinking, well, I'm not that upset. It was, a, I really loved it, but then I can just enjoy that. Well, those 10 eps or whatever it was, you know, I, I had a good time. I binged it a few weeks ago and during that East 
Coast Glow thing. Mm-hmm. I thought this great opportunity to clear my IQ. Like oh, look, I... Th- I must admit, I'm not disappointed yeah. it's not coming back for a second series. There were some great moments in there, but as a whole, it seemed very repetitive to me. Yeah. And I'm not hearing... satisfactory at the end? Like, can you watch the episode, like, 10th episode? I haven't episode watched and... the, the very last ep yet. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's no cliffhanger no or anything? Real, no. No, 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 it was sort of okay, you know. But it was, yeah, there were just some amazing scenes, though, weren't there? You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the trouble they went to and the detail and, you know, wow. That first scene where Bobby Carnival was at the end off his head on coke and the nightclub literally <laughs> fell in on him and you mm. thought it was a hallucination, mm. but no, the building had fallen down from the vibrations of the rock and yeah. roll. That was a great moment. Wonderful stuff. All right, guys, look, it's always great having you two together and I'm, I've got some great ideas for stuff I can go and um, search out now and I hope, um, I hope our listening audience has too. So we try and do these once every two, maybe three weeks. So we look forward to the next one. Andrew Mercado. Thanks, James. Dan Barrett. We'll see Thank you again soon guys um, don't forget check out mediaweek.com.au for all our podcasts we put up at least a couple of every week and um, we'll see you next time